Welcome to We Are Vodafone, a new podcast series where we'll bring together people from very different parts of the organisation to hear their opinions, theories, fears, passions and successes. Over the course of this series, we'll explore the subjects that matter most to you and how they impact on your life. I'm Cara McGugan, a journalist and podcaster, and in this fourth episode, we're going to talk about LGBTQ experiences at work, allyship, and how we can better understand one another's experiences. Joining me for this discussion are George Stone and Katya Stataki. To start off, I asked them to introduce themselves and their roles at Vodafone. So my name is George Stone. I've worked in Vodafone for just over four years now. I did some time in retail. I just finished the Vodafone Business Graduate Scheme and now I'm working in HR supporting our procurement team in Luxembourg. So yeah, pleasure to meet you. Hi, George. Hi, Kara. Hi, everyone. I'm Katia Stataki. I'm uh, Greek, currently employed in Vodafone Albania as a CEO. I've been with Vodafone for 19 years. I've studied electrical engineering at the Polytechnic School of Athens and I have an MBA from the University of Reading. I love Vodafone. I love this brand. I also love all the activities that Vodafone does for equality in the workplace and also for equality in the society. So I'm really happy to be here today to share our thoughts and uh, discussion with you guys. This episode is about allyship. So I thought it'd be a good place to start by getting you both to discuss a little bit about what allyship means to you personally. George, do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. So I think allyship to me It's more something that you do as opposed to like a topic or a theme. I've experienced allyship in the workplace. And so I really wanted to share that with uh, you and Katia today. It was four years ago. I was sort of 19 in my second year of my degree at Bristol doing politics and sociology. I really needed a job because Bristol is super expensive. So I applied for a part-time retail sales advisor in Vodafone. And I started in June and that July was Pride Month in Bristol. And so our store was sent something called Pride in a Box, which is essentially a load of Vodafone and Pride branded merchandise. So T-shirts, lanyards, balloons, that sort of thing. Because I was so new to the team, I missed out on the order for the T-shirt. And so that Saturday shift, I was the only person in a red kind of Vodafone branded T-shirt. And a customer came in. And he pointed to me specifically and said, I want to be served by him, which I remember thinking was odd because I was brand new to the team and I definitely was not the best person to serve him. He came in and sat down after I'd finished with my previous customers and he kind of pointed to my T-shirt and he said, good for you for sticking up for what you know is right. And I was kind of confused and I sort of gave him that face of saying, what? Uh, And then he kind of looked around and said, you know, all of this pride stuff, it's its really bad how they kind of shove it down our faces. So good for you for, for taking a stand. How did it make you feel, George? Like, were you annoyed or surprised? Or I think I wouldn't necessarily say annoyed or even surprised. I just felt super small in that moment. I felt like the ground was about to swallow me up because it's very awkward when you're confronted with something that I guess does make you different and then you remember that not everybody likes that or supports you. And here was someone who was very open with his kind of views that actually were against me, and he just didn't know. But the allyship 
came in when my manager walked over to me and the customer. And I thought he was going to intervene with the system because I was so new and I didn't know what I was doing. But he actually turned to the customer and said, look, in this store, that's not our opinion. None of us believe or support that. If you do, it's fine, but you need to apologise or we'll have to ask you to leave. In the end, this this guy got up. He was very irate, super angry, and uh, he left the shop. And I think everyone kind of just was a bit taken aback, but then they got on with their day as usual because that was a, a weird blip in the day. But for me, that was a really defining point of where I thought, wow, there is something that makes me different and that I guess puts me at risk but at least I'm in a company or I'm in a team where they'll stand up for me, even if they don't know that I'm gay, because at that point, nobody actually knew. They just did it off of their own volition because they thought that that was the right thing. And he did manage to make you part of his team, right? He did, yeah. And so, I spent two fabulous yeah. years in retail. <laughs> it was awesome. Because this is also where the impact comes into the team. You know, once you support each other, then you create a team that support each other and then you have better results. Yeah. So. There it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Being human together with being effective. Amazing story. What about you, Katia? What's your experience of allyship? My experience is a, is a bit different. I mean, I have lots of stories about allyship in the workplace uh, with, uh, you know, co-workers. But I want to share a story from when I was a kid. When I moved to Germany, seven years old, not speaking the language, You know, I went to school the first day, the second day, the third day. The kids can be harsh sometimes. They were bullying me around, you know. I still remember the picture of me, you know, sitting uh, on a bench alone and trying not to cry because, <laughs> uh, you know, they can't catch you. A week. It went on for a week, approximately a week, um, until this little girl, Susanne, she came and just sat next to me without saying anything, without, uh, you know, touching each other, nothing. She just sat next to me, showing in real life her support to me and uh, what she felt was right and what she felt the other kids were doing wrong. Because she was this influencer in the class, which I discovered later, of course, with time. More kids were coming and sitting next to us. So, you know, it took me like a few weeks to to be part of the gang and, you know, to be accepted. And for me, it was the strongest personal expression of allyship that I've faced in my life. So it doesn't have to do with LGBT, but it had to do with me being in a foreign place and being somewhere where I didn't belong, eh? where I was the outcast, the strange person the person not speaking the language, the different one, let's say. I guess as well, you mentioned that it's not necessarily related to being part of the LGBT community, but still as a story of allyship. I think that's so powerful because you experienced exclusion when you were really young. And now as you're kind of in your career and, and you're like a, a working professional, you're using that experience to ensure that inclusion is is actually at the forefront of everything you do as a leader in the business. So it's really interesting to me how a, an experience like that, you've managed to take it and almost turn it on its head. Yeah, and you know, I think the most important thing is for all of us to realize that we have so many things in common, you know, and we tend to think of the other people being different. Yes, we're all different. Thank God we're all different. But we also have so many things in common where we can build on so... 
that is probably the most important uh, takeout for me from this story. Absolutely. George, from what you were saying there, I'm really interested in this idea of what it means to come out in the workplace and the challenges that brings and ways that colleagues can help support you. I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit more about what that process is like in the workplace. I guess when I was in retail, it was more something that happened to me. You know, a, a situation happened and I reacted to it. A lot of times when people come out in the workplace, it does kind of happen like that. Someone has said something or heard something and then you have to affirm or deny it. And that can be really tiring. It's kind of like you never know when you're going to get almost caught out. It really does feel like a sense of caught out. There's been situations where I've talked to colleagues who I am extremely close with and have a great working relationship with, but also they're my friends. They've asked me before things about, oh, you know, you've got a girlfriend. And even though it's meant with genuine curiosity and there's no kind of malice behind it, things like that can be quite difficult sometimes because it really throws me into the spotlight. And it reminds me instantly that I am different and there is something that I have to come out for, which can be kind of exhausting. I think I would love if we were in a place where we don't even need to state it, but these things do happen. Some of the things you can do as an ally really require very little kind of action, just things like changing your words. So instead of asking me, do you have a girlfriend? If someone said, do you have a partner? Then I would be absolutely happy to kind of disclose it. It's just when you use kind of gendered words, it makes you think, oh God, right, here we go. Tiny little things like that, I think, can really help in the workplace and, and beyond too. When I was uh, thinking about this podcast, I thought about a workshop that Vodafone arranged a few years ago. I think it was two or three summers back with Google in London about allyship. We were asked to make um, a simple, let's say, exercise in pairs where we would have to talk about how we spend our weekend, but without mentioning the gender or giving any clue about the gender of our partner. It made you feel like really stressed not to say anything that would reveal the gender because it was in the beginning was like a game, you know, and then we all realized what this means. Nobody should have to reveal anything to have a nice uh, day in the workplace and a free day in the workplace. But it happens so that the way people think, sometimes you need to help it a little bit. So when I came back, from this workshop, I put together my the entire Vodafone business team in Greece, and we did this exercise, you know, in a big space, in pairs. Once we did this exercise, many, many people understood, and they came back to me and they said, wow, this is very re revealing, you know, because you never actually realize it, how difficult it is, and how much energy it takes out of the people who do not want to come out, if they don't want to reveal their sexuality, they have to go through all this strain and personal stress. It also affects the productivity and the effectiveness of the people in the workplace. It's one thing to say we are open and it's another thing to get in somebody else's shoes and really understand what they are going through in the workplace. So for me, that's a very important thing, exercising and really understanding what people are going through in the workplace. Do you both have examples of times when you've taken those learnings about ways to be a good ally using gender neutral language, for example, and when you've used those learnings to help someone else? 
Katia, I think you talked about how you took this home to your son and how you then changed the language you were using around your son. Yeah, I want to tell this story because um, it's an experience that uh, really shook me inside, you know. So so I have a, an almost 10-year-old son. His name is Leo. He's an amazing little guy, like every mother would say about <laughs> their kid. And, you know, at one of those nights when you, you take them to sleep, you know, it was like six months back. It's the time when he opens up a little bit. So he's asking the difficult questions like, why did grandpa die? Am I going to meet him again? And stuff like that. At some point, he asked me a question. Mom, will you love me forever? I said, Leo, what kind of a question is that? Of course, I will love you forever. I will jump into the fire for you. He says, but mom, do you know that there are people who throw their kids out of the house because they are gay? To be honest, I wasn't expecting at 11 o'clock at night to have this discussion. So <laughs> I asked Leo, I said, Leo, do you even know what it means? You know what the word gay means? He said, yeah, of course, it's when men love men and women love women, etc., etc." I said, okay, well, he knows, good. Then I said, look, whatever happens to you in your life, whatever you do in your life, I will always love you. Following that one, I actually stopped, or I'm trying to stop myself from asking the usual questions, you know, do you have a girlfriend at school and stuff like that, you know, because... I think it's important that we let kids see themselves and what they have inside and then love them for what they are. It's quite difficult if you're brought up in a conservative environment like I was brought up. It's not, let's say, the most straightforward thing, but it is something that you do when you love somebody, you accept them the way they are. I'm trying to be a better mom. I think I have become a better mom after this uh, discussion. I'm not perfect, but I will try to, especially in this respect, to be much more open than I was thinking anyway in the past. There's something that I'd quite like to jump in on. It was what you mentioned, Katia, about being the perfect mum. And I think that, well, first of all, Leo sounds awesome. and I think that story was super touching. So thanks for sharing it. But in terms of being like the, the perfect mum, I do think that there is this kind of notion around allyship and anything to do with being LGBT or, or race, ethnicity, gender, where people don't want to say the wrong thing and they're scared about saying the wrong thing. And it, it makes the topics even more taboo to talk about, not because they're taboo, but because you're worried about saying something taboo, which is just the biggest irony. But I think a lot of times people worry about saying the wrong thing. Speaking from personal experience, I do not mind one bit if someone has a question for me about anything related to my life. It doesn't just have to be the fact that I'm part of a specific community, but, you know, I'm always up for conversation and I guess raising awareness and education. And I think sometimes people worry that they will say the wrong thing. And I don't think that that is the worry. I don't think people get upset when people say the wrong thing. I think people get upset when someone says the wrong thing and then they're not open to learning why they might want to change that for somebody else. I guess that would be my biggest thing about allyship. It's it's kind of okay to to get it wrong, just as long as you learn from it and you're you're open to I guess the experience for most of it, then that's the most that anyone could could kind of ask of you. We're super lucky in Vodafone that we have employees from all backgrounds, all different experiences, and I was very lucky to work with someone in my former team who used they them pronouns. 
And before they came to our team meeting, a couple of people in my team referred to this person where they misgendered them, essentially, based off of their photo. And this person came to the team meeting and, and it was all it was all great. But then after someone in my team said, oh, guys, just so you know, for next time, this particular colleague actually uses they them pronouns. And everyone in my team was like, oh, no, God, we feel really bad. It wasn't a case of, oh, why did no one tell us or nobody got angry or upset or ashamed? It was, okay. we didn't know that before. So we can kind of plead ignorance. But now that we do, we won't do that again. And it never happens again. And I just think tiny things like that, when people are receptive and open, just to changing one word. One word in one sentence can mean a lot to somebody else. And George, did you um, have some questions you wanted to ask of Katia about what it's like in other countries? Yeah, I would be really interested, Katia, to know what it's like kind of in Greece and, and Albania as well, to work at Vodafone and be part of the LGBT plus community. And the reason that I ask that is because... I'm aware that my kind of position as like a, a white gay man in the UK is very different to some of our other colleagues. And I would really be interested to kind of know the experience of, of other people in the community and, and not just in the UK. I can't say too many things about Albania because I landed in the role like uh, four weeks ago. So I can say about Albania that it's a very open community overall. They're open people, accepting people. So I would assume, but it remains to be proven. So I don't have any real experiences yet and that they would be open also in this respect. Of course, in Vodafone, you know, in Albania, we are following the same, let's say, ways of educating people around respecting each other, irrespective of color, gender, sexual orientation, etc. So that is part of the whole Vodafone community. If I could talk a little more about Greece, where I have much more knowledge about, in some respects, the Greek society is still quite conservative, although there is much more openness than there was some years ago. You touched earlier on a word that for me is probably the biggest and the most important word in this process, which is education. And for me, it's about respecting the other human being. You know, all this allyship that we're talking about, you respect a human being and you let them be and you let them live in the way they want to live. It comes from sharing experiences. And being an LGBT sponsor in Greece, I have uh, managed to have some sessions, the monthly meetings of the Vodafone business team. So I always had one hour at the end where I had people from the LGBT community coming in and talk to us. So the first time a lady came in, she was the one who was in charge of the helpline for LGBT people in Greece. There were a lot of people who didn't want to come to the session because it was again, yeah, another one of these sessions, da, 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 da. And this lady, she started talking about young people calling, being desperate, not knowing what to do, not knowing how to face their parents, you know, human stories, tough stories. They also talked about how parents were talking who Yes, they love their kid, but they do not know how to handle themselves in this. They were seeking for advice not to do the wrong thing. And all this, when it was shared, openly shared with uh, the people in the team, 
many of them being parents, I could see it in their faces that it shook them. So it was much more, let's say, effective than 50 lessons on how to do things right. So to share these stories and to make people understand how we can all help, how can we all be there so that everyone has a fair chance in this life and everyone has a fair chance in the business and everyone has a fair chance next to us. I think that is probably the most important and the most, the strongest weapon that we have in this uh, process, if you allow me the word uh, weapon. So I believe I've left Vodafone Greece a bit more open. There were also some people who've come out during this process and who also personally thanked me afterwards, you know, because they wouldn't talk to their mom about it. So they went and talked to their mom about something which is very important for a relationship between a man and his mother, at least in Greece. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things to do, but sharing experiences is, I think, the most powerful. Absolutely. I think that that exercise you shared about sharing the experience of that helpline, I think that's just kind of the epitome of when when it brings it home a bit. And like you said, we all just kind of realize that once you strip everything back, we are all essentially just the same. I always have uh, this thought in my head, you know, I'm a huge supporter of the LGBT community, although personally, I'm not part of, of this community. However, I think there is a lot of power in supporting the LGBT community when you're not gay, when you're not trans. Because I think that the power of this is how we as people support each other in the society and in the workplace. Let me give you a parallel just to understand this. So I'm a woman in the workplace. It's much more powerful to be supported by men in the workplace than by women in the workplace, you know, because if it's amongst women, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's them again, you know. And this has an inherent power. So this is why it's important for us, for all of us to actively support the LGBT community inside Vodafone. For me, it's a very important task for all of us. We also had the chance to catch up with Mohammed Khan, George's boss, when he was working in the Bristol Vodafone store. He tells us a bit about what he was thinking that day. Initially, when the customer came in, it was just a normal health and advice query. It was a Pride Month. During the Pride Month, the guys are allowed to wear the certain lanyard or the wristband, and the store is decorated. The customer wasn't in the favor of the culture of Pride or Pride Month. I could see the customer was getting really, really stressy. I felt that, okay, I needed to go in. I did try to calm him down and uh, said that the customer didn't have uh, that right to speak to George like that and I was going to listen to customer's problem. All I wanted to just give some time to George so he could actually break up from the conversation, get himself back, and then he still felt confident. As a manager, what have you learned about supporting diversity in your workplace? And do you have any other examples of um, how colleagues can be a good ally? For the team, going after having everyone included in the same journey, that means that we got a bigger team. Keep talking about the differences, that means that we all got the same understanding and uh, we do not say something by mistake, even in a jokey way, that could possibly end up hurting someone emotionally. 
in Bristol Experience Store, we have people from different backgrounds. So I'm from Asian background. We have people from Eastern European background. Maybe a little bit of cultural difference here and there, but end of the day, what happens that everyone is bringing them on the table to share those experiences. So do you have three tips for supporting staff and equality? Keep talking to them as if you are talking to just someone like you talk every day. Know the background a little bit more. Do own research before you talk to that person. Uh, just Google it. It's a great help. We all got smartphones. And make sure that we do not say or act in any way that could potentially hurt that person emotionally, even if it is by minor bit, because you never know. Going back to your story at the beginning, George, and given that we're doing this podcast in Pride Month, I wanted to ask you both what Pride means to you. The first time that I ever saw Pride actually happening was when I was 19, so back when I was in that store. I grew up in the countryside, so there was never really a Pride Month. But it just wouldn't have made sense in my village of 80 people. So I didn't really see it, I guess, until I was 19 and experienced it. And then when I started to look into Pride and the roots of it and where it came from, I almost felt kind of embarrassed because I was part of this community and I had no idea about some of the people who did, but also still do, go through tremendous ordeals just to be there and just to live. I really kind of had to take a moment of reflection and consider how lucky I was. And I hate using that word lucky. When someone who's gay comes out and it goes well, they go, oh yeah, I was so lucky. Uh, It shouldn't be a case of luck, but still. But I remember thinking that I was lucky because even though I grew up in an environment where I didn't see anyone like me, I also wasn't exposed to any of the real bad stuff that does happen when you are part of, well, any community really, but specifically the LGBT plus community. I started learning about people like Marsha P. Johnson and, and the Stonewall riots. And I just felt really sad that I was 19 and I had only just learnt this now. I'd never learnt that at school. I never even heard of Pride Month. I didn't really know what it was. But then when I kind of had that realisation, I think I took it as for the rest of my life, I will celebrate Pride and I will enjoy it and have fun. But also I will mark it as a very kind of dark and sombre month almost of reflection because there is a lot of stuff that has gone wrong and that is still going wrong and unfortunately still will go wrong like in the future but yeah I think that's that's what Pride Month is it is definitely a celebration but it's also kind of a point of reflection. On my side I tend to think of Pride as more than an event more than a time-bound activity within a year. Pride is a way of thinking it's a way of acting it's to be personally proud of who you are of the things you have accomplished to have the courage to follow your dreams to follow your the vision of who you want to be in your life so for me this is much more important for this community because as george said earlier there's a lot of people who are still going through tremendous ordeals and this shouldn't be like that but still the month is just the expression of something, you know, when we want to celebrate it. But for me, this is, 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 let's say, the light on a continuous journey that not only the LGBT people need to do, but the entire society needs to do. 
it's a wake-up call. It's a putting ourselves, all of us, to look into our face and to understand really how can we help people around us do and be the ones they want to be. Courage, follow your dreams. This is what pride is in my eyes. George, is there anything you've learned from Cassia today that you're going to take away with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think that those exercises that you mentioned, Cassia, were really fascinating because they're super simple activities, but they really kind of accomplish what you, what you said earlier about putting yourself in other people's shoes. It kind of highlighted what I was mentioning earlier about when people ask me things like, do you have a girlfriend? It, it can be uncomfortable. And sometimes I say that to other people and they say, oh, why? Like, you shouldn't be uncomfortable. You know, you shouldn't be ashamed or whatever. And it's like, I totally understand that. But that exercise that, that you mentioned, Katia, it really makes you realise how big of a thing it can actually be and how much it can make you feel awkward when you have to conceal something that you don't really want to, but you feel like maybe you should and you have to tiptoe around it. And I think that more leaders within business should be replicating those sorts of activities amongst their teams, you know, irregardless of whether anyone in that team does identify as being part of the LGBT plus community, it's still something really rich to do, to learn from. For sure, we need more of this. I agree with you, George. I don't know if I can use the word learn today, but one thing that I admire today, you know, is your courage and your strength to be here. You haven't been with Vodafone for many years, so it seems that you're a person who is actually ready to stand up for what they believe and help others on the way and be open about it and, uh, you know, talk about it in order to help others. So for me, that's always to be admired because, believe it or not, there's not too many people who are at the forefront of change. So we need this change and we need people like you in the company to take us even further. We need to enable more people. We need to help more people be themselves in the workplace, be themselves and belong, and then work and have fun without the fear of uh, being criticized in any way. Thank you for doing this role as a business leader. Thank you for being courageous enough to do this and hopefully we'll have many more Georges like you in the future. Oh, thank you so I will much. be happy to be there and support you in any way. Thank you Please so much. do reach out whenever you need. I'm so grateful that you came today and shared your experiences. The biggest thing that, that really touched me was the story you mentioned with your son. I think that's perfect yeah. <laughs> and if you want to be a perfect mom then I think you've achieved it. So. Ah, you're going to make me cry now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I hope, like me, you've been inspired by the ideas, techniques and experiences Katia, George and Mohammed have discussed in this episode. This has been We Are Vodafone, a podcast series brought to you by Vodafone for Vodafone people. If you want to find out more, head to the resources in the show notes below. And please consider completing a short survey for Vodafone's Count Me In campaign to create a complete picture of diversity within Vodafone. <laughs>